Lisa, good morning. It's so good to be here. You know, when I walk in here in the morning, and we came a little bit early this morning, and it's kind of quiet, and the musicians are kind of practicing and getting ready, and there's, you know, a splattering of three or four people, and it feels empty. And then the people come, and then the children come, and then more people come. And, you know, I think to myself, I look at each one of you, and I think... Today would not be the same if one of you didn't turn up today. If one of you decided, nah, I don't feel like God's stuff today. Nah, I think I'll just stay at home and put my feet up. There's a thousand other things I could do. But you know what? Each one of you decided to be here today. And I am so thankful you are here. Because what better place to be than with your brothers and sisters? To hear from Jesus to worship Jesus, there is no better place to be. So you made a good decision this morning to be here today. So thank you. It was a good choice. So I want to start today with a problem. And I want to talk about the problem of losing or not being able to find my freedom. So I'm asking you today... Can you help me with this problem? Now, a big fat hint is this sermon series title. Where am I going to find my freedom? Can anybody help me? Now, I'm sure there's somebody that'd like to help me that's sitting right here in front of me. Look at these two good-looking young men. Do they look intelligent? Yeah. Where am I going to find my freedom? Have a little sticky beak up on the screen. There might be a clue up there. Where am I going to find my freedom? In Christ. In Christ. See, I told you this guy was clever. Are you sure I'm going to find it in Christ? You didn't sound totally certain. It was like, in Christ. Very positive. Is anyone else agree with him? Could you put your hand up if you agree that I'm going to find my freedom in Christ? Are you absolutely sure? Is it obvious? Is this the most obvious question you've heard today? Okay. So if the answer is obvious, have you ever wondered why every single one of us in this room, including me, keep looking for our freedom somewhere else? We keep looking, searching. Freedom from pain, freedom from problems, freedom from worries, freedom from the, just the boredom of life. Why is it that we look to the bottom of a beer bottle hoping that we'll find freedom from our problems? Why is it that we look for a big wad of cash and we think, this is going to be the source of my freedom? Why is it that we look for popularity and we want people to like us and think our freedom's there? Why is it we go to all these different places looking for freedom? When you told me the answer is obvious. But haven't we all gone to different places looking for freedom? Haven't we gone to all these different places thinking, yes, I'm on a winner here? Stop and think right now. Where have you been this week looking for the solutions to the problems you faced looking for freedom from the problems you faced. Where did you go this week? There's lots of places to go. There's no shortage of options. 
You know, for many, many years, I didn't go to Christ for my freedom. I went to a place called independence, self-sufficiency. I can do it all on my own. And you know, this started way, way back when I was little, 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 because in our family, there was kind of a motto that went on. There was a thing that went on. The way we did things in our family was, you got to figure it out yourself. you got to look after yourself, Liz. That's what I was told growing up. The world is a big, bad place, and you need to sort it out. You need to be able to look after yourself, and you need to become self-sufficient. From, so from the time I could just reach the pedals of the, the ute that we used to drive around the farm, I was driving that ute. I was fixing the tyre on that ute. My father made sure that I could fix a fence. My father made sure I could start a motor. He said, you need to be able to look after yourself. And then my mother said, you need to be able to cook. You need to be able to sew. You need to be able to get a good education. We're going to get you out of this place in central Queensland. We're going to send you to boarding school because we're going to make sure that you're independent and self-sufficient. There's nothing wrong with learning cooking skills. There's nothing wrong with learning sewing skills. But if you think that you can solve all your problems by skilling up and being able to do it all yourself, you'll be sadly mistaken. You see, I walked around like this. Hmm. Let's see. Problems. I just need to learn to do it myself. That's what I learned. That's what family tradition told me. So when I'm looking out there, my worldview says, I've got to find a way to fix this myself. I've got to be self-sufficient. It's all about me and I've got to do it myself because that's our family tradition and that's been handed down over generation after generation. And then you know what happened next? They said, off you go to boarding school, you need to get an education. And do you know what I learnt? I learnt some worldly principles that said independence is happiness. Not only is independence going to solve your problems, independence is going to make you feel happy. So now I have family traditions and I have worldly principles and they're both telling me when you look at your problems, your worldview needs to be make sure you can sort it out all on your own. You can't depend on anybody. You can't trust anybody. This is a big bad world and you've got to be really self-sufficient. Okay, so whenever I hit a problem, I've got to find a way to solve it myself. I need to learn how to do it all by myself. And that's how I viewed every problem for years and years and years. This became my worldview. Didn't matter what problem, family tradition, and every principle I ever learned in my education was make sure you figure it out for yourself. You know what? That wasn't the truth. That wasn't where I was going to find freedom. And I learned something. Proverbs 28:26 said to me, those who trust in themselves are fools. I look like a fool walking around with this stupid red cellophane. But those who walk in wisdom, they're kept safe. So you see, God's worldview in God's word tells us two things. He said... The problem, Liz, is that you're a fool if you think you're going to trust yourself and solve all your problems. That's your problem. And then he says, not only will I define the problem for you, here's the solution. You need to walk wisely. You need wisdom. 
That's what you need. So you see, God's word is constantly showing us what the problem is and what the solution is. And that's a worldview. How do I look at my problems? I don't even know what my problems are sometimes. And what are the solutions to my problems? You get a definition of a problem and you get a solution and you put that all together, you got a worldview. We've all got worldviews. We've all picked up family traditions that have told us what the problem is. We've all got worldly principles that have told us what the problem is and what the solution is. But you know, none of these worldviews will give us the freedom we're looking for. It's only in Christ will you find a worldview that will solve your problems and give you the freedom you're looking for. So today, we're going to talk about reshaping our worldview. Let's look at a a problem. Let's look at an idea of a problem and a solution as a worldview, as an idea. I want to raise a problem of feeling feeling guilty. So I think my problem is feeling guilty. So what I do is I say, well... Family tradition is, I had, I had a farming community that I grew up in, which said, well, you know what? The problem, t- the, the solution is that the guilt's not really the problem. You just need to work harder. You've got to get out there and work. Get up early and work. If you work, you, you won't even be feeling those feelings anymore. Just forget about those feelings. They're really silly, actually. You've got to work. That's what family tradition said. That's what family tradition said I've got to do with that guilt. Okay, I've just got to work. I've got to work. I've got to work. You know what? Then the world says to me, nah, working. You need to have fun. Whenever you get those yucky feelings, whenever you start feeling guilty, whenever you start feeling ashamed, just push them to the side. You didn't really do anything wrong. Just have fun. You'll feel much better once you have fun. The guilty feelings, they'll just disappear. See, look at this. Isn't it a lovely day? And look, actually, if you buy a new car, you'll feel a lot better and you won't be feeling guilty anymore. Fun, fun, fun. Just pleasure. That's the, that's the solution to the problem. So now I have a pleasure solution to my problem of guilt and I have a hard-working ethic. So now I'm confused. Now, sometimes I should work hard. Well, I'll try that. And then maybe sometimes I should have fun. But, you know, we just end up getting confused. We just end up getting depressed. We just end up feeling frustrated because it doesn't work. But what's the problem? The problem, if you go to Jesus, is he will tell us it's sin. He will say, the reason I feel guilty is because I did something wrong. And no covering it up by working hard or no covering up by having a good time, is ever going to deal with that problem. That is going to sit there and sit there and sit there like an infected appendix. And it is going to burst just when you least expect it. So you see, Jesus' worldview will tell you the real problem is sin and the real solution is receiving him. That's the real solution. That solution cuts deep to the core and does surgery in here, in our heart, in the center of our spiritual being. You see, we need a real solution to a real problem. And the only place we can go to get a real solution to a real problem is to go to Jesus and his worldview. He'll tell you as it is. He won't muck around and try and smooth it over. He'll say the problem is sin. But you know what? I've solved it for you. 
come to the cross and receive me. I'll do the surgery you need. And then I will actually put myself inside of you to empower you to overcome every single problem you face. Not just some problems, not just the little problems, every single problem. So you see, we've got to change our worldview. We've got to understand that we're breathing in worldviews all the time. We're walking around like this, thinking we've got the real understanding of the problem. All we've got is a filtering system which blurs the problem and prevents us to getting to the real solution. We've got to engage our minds. We've got to get our eyes onto the right place and the right person. And we've got to, as Jerome prayed this morning, we've got to open our heart to the real solution, to him, to Jesus. That's what we're looking at today. We're looking at reshaping our world view. Hmm. Now, why is this not in order? It is the wrong reference. Okay, so this should be Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. So, if you're age 20 below, you need to stand up right now. Sit. (laughs) I know if you're less than 20, you need to stand. I can name you if you like. Okay. Now, you guys are going to help me. Pretend that says Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. What I want you to do is all together, we're going to read this out aloud because we're going to look at this one passage of Scripture today. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 10. And you guys are going to help us to understand this particular passage. We're looking at 6 and 7. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say 1, 2, 3, and then we're going to go. You ready? One, two, three, go. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Well done. Sit. Thank you very much, young people. This is such an important verse. This is such an important beginning to understanding how we need to reshape our worldview. Notice what he says to begin with. Notice he says, as you have therefore received Christ. So when we first began our journey with Christ, we received him. We said, thank you, Jesus, for all the work you have done. Yes, I accept that I have done the wrong thing and you fixed it for me. I'm receiving you right now by faith, Lord Jesus, because you've done all the work to fix it up. I couldn't do it. I was helpless. I couldn't do it. It was, it was by grace It was only by your grace and by faith. That was it. So notice he says, as you've received him, now walk in him. So just as you went to him and said, Lord, you fixed that for me, that big problem, the guilt problem, the sin problem. Now, as I keep having different problems, I'm going to come back to you and say, help me again, like we did at the beginning. I'm not going to go and do my own thing and think I can fix it myself. I'm going to keep coming back to you just as I received you at the beginning. I'm going to keep coming back to you and asking you to help me, to solve it, to show me, to fix it. So we're going to keep doing what we did at the beginning. And then he says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Paul's using a picture here like a plant. 
plant. For a plant to grow and thrive and survive and to produce fruit and flowers, it must be rooted in good soil. So our heart must be rooted in Jesus. We must be connected to him. If we're not connected to him, we're not going to have freedom in him. You see, the idea is like this. Proverbs says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. You see, our heart is the core of us. Our heart is the soil. Our heart is where Jesus and we connect. This is this interpersonal, beautiful, intimate relationship. We connect with him there in our heart. But if we're not connected with him, we're connected with somebody else. Who did this experiment when they were in primary school? Who did the experiment where you took the colouring, the food colouring, and you stuck flowers in the food colouring to see what would happen? Aha, uh-huh. we have one person in this whole room. We have two people in this whole room that have done this. Three, we're getting more. You see, it's amazing what happens to a carnation. If you put that in some red food colouring, this beautiful white flower will all of a sudden start to have a shade of pink. You see, that flower is rooted in a substance which is red. So what that flower is rooted in is actually going to express itself in the flower and what it looks like. It's exactly the same for you and I. If we're connected to the world, if we're connected to tradition, that's what's going to actually come out in our life. If we're connected to Jesus, it's him that's going to come out. You see, if we're connected to the world... It affects us, not only in terms of the connection here, but the connection here. If we're connected to worldly principles, we're going to interpret the world through worldly principles. If we're connected to tradition, we're going to be looking at the world, thinking that we understand our problems and look for freedom in terms of tradition. Where are you connected? Where are you rooted? Where are you going to get your information? Where are you going to solve your problems? All right, we got a good reference here. Okay, if you're 21 to 40, you've got to stand up. Now is your time. Now is your moment. If you're 21 to 40. Yeah, we've got to make sure we get the right one standing. 21 to 40. Now, these are a good-looking group. All right, let's go. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Thank you, you can sit. You see, he's telling us here, beware you don't get cheated, beware you don't get the wrong information, beware you don't get the wrong view. Because you see, it's just empty, and it's deceit, it's going to cheat you, it's not telling you the real problem, it's not telling you the real solution. And do you know where they come from? These wrong worldviews, these wrong problem definitions, these wrong solutions come from traditions that we grew up with. They come from principles of the world. But only the one place do we get the right worldview, and that's from Christ. We've got to understand that there are so many different sources of information. We've got to understand that it's so easy to be deceived We've got to understand that it's those comfortable things like traditions and rituals. We've always done things that way. We've got to understand that the world, everyone else is doing it that way. That may not be the correct way. And in fact, 
Paul makes it very clear, don't go there. It's empty deceit. You've got to go to Jesus. You've got to go to him every single time you face a problem. Otherwise, you end up with nothing. All right, now the very wise ones. You've got to stand up. If you're 41 and over, yeah. Yeah, look at these very wise people. Here are the wise ones. All right, let's go, folks. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You get to sit. So this is important. This is the third part. This is the third part of this this series that we're looking at. This is the third part of this passage, which is telling us something important. It says, in him, in Jesus, everything of God is dwelling in him. There's nothing missing in Jesus that's in God. And then watch the next part. And you are complete in him. He lives inside of you. You're complete. It means up to the top. You are full of him, totally complete, right inside of you here. That's the heart surgery that went on when you first received Jesus. So if you feel like you don't have the power, you don't have the solutions, it's a lie because he is complete in you and he has all the solutions. He has all the powers that you need to solve every single problem you face. But notice also, he says, who is the head of all principality and power. So to be the head, you are the authority. You are in control. So Jesus is the head, he is the authority, and he is in control of every principality. A principality are the evil angels and the holy angels. So he is in control of every single angel that exists and he's in control of every power every spiritual supernatural power he is the head of so you don't have any problem that you need to fear because he is in control you see we need to understand the problem exists in a world which is physical and emotional and spiritual you see traditions from men And worldly principles, they basically ignore the spiritual realm if you grew up in a Western culture. But our problems, Ephesians tells us, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. They're the angels either, and we're talking about the evil angels that we're wrestling against. Against powers that are really wanting to cause us problems. This is where the problems are created. This is where the problems is actually, this is where the tussle is going on. So we've got to understand the problem includes the spiritual realm. And he's the head of the spiritual realm. You don't need to fear that you can't solve this. You don't need to fear that it's going to be too big for you because he's in the head and he's completing you. He's right here. There's no need to fear any problem. So if we pull all of this together in this passage from Colossians 2, he tells us, first of all, he says you need to be rooted and built up in him. You need to make sure that your mind is so focused on his way. He wants to show you the way, but you've got to connect with him. You've got to be talking to him. You've got to be interceding and you've got to be there saying, yes, Jesus, show me your way. The second verse we looked at, 
says there's different sources that are going to be trying to tell you what the problem is, trying to give you the solution. We've got to, our eyes need to be so fixed on his truth so that he can actually tell us the real problem and the real solution because there's other sources that will just give you empty, empty words and want to cheat you. And the third thing we've got to do is we've got to make sure that our hearts are so open to him because he is our life. There is no freedom without his life. We've got to have our minds on him. We've got to have our eyes on him. We've got to have our hearts open to him. But, you know, this is just all knowledge. This is just information I've given you. Unless we actually apply this to our lives and make this practical, it'll probably sit here and never move in your life. You know, in Ephesians 5 verse 15, Paul says to us, We need to be careful that we walk as wise, not unwise. So we've got to do something with this information. We've got to make this information and this knowledge wisdom, which means we've got to apply this knowledge. So I want to do a little activity now where we're going to apply this, where we're going to look at how we can determine what's going on if we engage our mind, our eyes and our heart and say, Jesus, help me to understand What's the problem and what's the solution that's being presented to me? And is this in line with the way you define the problem? Is this in line with the way you define the solution? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a YouTube clip. It goes for about six minutes. And YouTube clip is, um, you know, you can look at it when you get home. It's still up. But... What I want you to keep in mind is this YouTube clip has been watched by 8 million people worldwide. So a lot of people are looking at this. A lot of people are going to this source to try and solve the problems in their life, to look for their freedom from their problems in life. So as you watch this clip, I want you to ask yourself two questions. According to this clip, what are they saying is our problem? And what are they saying is the solution? So there's a number. They're telling us what our problems are. They're saying, this is your problem. And the the name of the clip is, why do we fall? So they're saying, this is what your problem is. And then weaved all through the clip is they're telling you, this is how you solve your problem. And they give you lots of different solutions. So at the end of the clip... I'm going to ask you to talk to the person sitting next to you and to tell them what you thought the clip was telling you in terms of what our problems are and what the clip was telling you in terms of what the solution is to the problem. So you're looking for two things. What do they reckon our problems are and what do they reckon the solution is to our problems? We're going to start with the wise ones. We're going to start with the 41 up age group so who who's one of the wise ones that's age 41 up tell me what you heard tell me something that you heard about the problems that they're defining the problems for us this is the reason we're having so many problems this is your problem who wants to tell me who's over 41 oh i'm gonna dodge you and go for shireen and then you farad from there the way i get it is um 
He says they can do it. They can do it. If they put more into it, they can do it. Even if they fail, they can get up and do it. But that's just the world's point of view. Us as Christians, we know that we can't do it on our own. We have to do it hand in hand with God. All right. Go, Shireen. Did other people hear that too? This idea that you can do it. You know why you got problems? You just stop trying. Lazy, good for nothing people just keep going. Did you get that feeling? Yeah, like what's wrong with you? Guilt, guilt, guilt. See, they're all doing well. You just sloppy, you know, floppy people here not trying hard enough. Deborah. I didn't hear it like that at all. Okay. What did you hear, Deborah? I, I maybe I was wearing blinkers, but I heard yeah, yeah. I heard that they were saying that we are better than what we think we are and because we have a power in us that we don't recognize. Uh-huh. But I didn't see it that way at all. I, maybe because I know and I'm thinking that that is our, our God within us okay. who can help us to get back up, who can help us to keep going. Yep. I didn't, I, sorry, I didn't hear it. Like Do you it know what? Worldly. I understand how yeah. you thought that That's too because they're making this statement, aren't they, that it's like there is more inside of you than what you're That's actually right. giving yourself recognition Maybe for. Maybe some of us don't know what that is, but. Yeah, and yeah. if they link that to the, the thing that you're missing is you have a power inside of you, which is the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus. That's right. They don't, they don't take it that step. But if you're looking at it through I a Christian lens and you're yeah. thinking, okay, I'm thinking the power in me is Jesus, so, yeah, I'm underestimating Jesus in me, that makes sense for you. I, yeah. I can understand that's, how that's you thought that. <laughs> I'm not sure they made the link from that. If you're thinking the power in me is Jesus, you would make that leap. If you're just thinking the power is in me because the power is in me because the power is in me, then you don't go to Jesus if you don't need Jesus for the power, if you think you've already got the power. But if you're looking at through the lens, I've already got Jesus in me, yes, I'm underestimating what Jesus can do through me. I understand what you're saying. Quinton, did you have your hand up? No. no. Oh, you dobbed him in. Okay. All right. The middle group. So the 21 to 40-year-olds. Okay. 21 to 40-year-olds. Now's your chance to shine and show us what you saw. Maria. Yeah, I thought that it said the problem is you and the solution is you. That's really, it's all about you. Yep. You can either make it happen or you can not make it happen and it's all about you. That's what it seemed to me. Yep. So to you, it's really saying the problem is you, there's something wrong with you, and the solution is in you, so just pick your act up and move on because you've got the solution, so just get on with it. It's all about you. It's not like we're going to look outside of us. So the filter we have is I just need to look within myself. I've got to find the solution within me. It just kept saying you, you, you. Yeah, it did. Yep. I thought it was a similar thing, um, and one of the things that set, um, like jumped out at me is that they, they've got this idea where um, if you can't do something or you don't have the skills to do something, you need to train yourself and you need to tell, keep telling yourself you can do it, you can do it, whereas the different is, difference for us is we don't need to be telling ourselves, you know, I can do it, Jesus is there saying, you can do this, so our reliance is not on ourselves to be, you know, building ourselves up, we've got Jesus in the Holy Spirit to be there with us through all the circumstances, even though skill might be required, he's saying, I'll give you the strength, the patience to do something, but he's our kind of rock, not ourselves, where they're just talking about themselves being the solution. Yep. 
So in a sense, for you, you really felt like the same thing. It's all about you, 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 you. But it's, it's different for a Christian because not only do we have Jesus with us as our personal coach saying you can do it, keep going when we need to keep going, but he's empowering us in order to keep going. So it's not like we can find this energy from within ourselves or this power from within ourselves. We keep going back to Jesus to not only tell us what to do, when to do it and how to do it, but he gives us the power to do it. We can't do it without him because eventually... We give up. Susie. The message that I took out of it was that the problem is you're not trying hard enough. So it's a similar similar thing to what other what what others have said that it's about you and the the problem is you, the solution is you. The problem is you're not trying hard enough and the solution is try harder. Um, But just reflecting on that last point that um, you and Nathan made was that um, yes, we have the Holy Spirit, God, and the Holy Spirit prompting us, coaching us, you can do this, you can whatever. But he's also giving us the wisdom and the discernment in terms of the direction because, you know what, I'm no NBA star and I don't think I ever will be. No matter how hard I try. It doesn't matter how how much I trained and how much I developed the skills. It ain't going to happen. But God gives me the wisdom to say, that's not the direction I want you to go in anyway. And he gives me the direction to say, this is the skills and the competence that I've given you. This is the direction that I want you to take. And I will, I'll give you the strengthening. I'll give you the, the skills, the capacity, whatever, to do what I want you to do. Yeah. We certainly can. So, Susie, it's this idea again of it's through you that you're actually telling me the way, which way I should go. And maybe the way for me is not to be a basketball star because he's gifted all of us differently. Some of us have basketball skills, some of us don't have basketball skills. So he's telling us which way we should go. He's telling us the truth about whether or not um, the issue is in this area of our life or this area of life. And he's not only telling us the way and the truth, but he's giving us the life to do it. He empowers us through his life in us to do it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We draw our nourishment from him. It's like the flowers. We need to be connected to him. He is the living water. He's the one that enables us. Not some inner power that comes from some spurious place or just the special people. Maybe it's just the NBA players that have the power and the willpower. That's the deception. That's the empty vanity. Krista. I was just going to say that also if we achieve those things thinking that we do it, it leads to an ego and it leads to us thinking that we are something good. Whereas when we achieve something and know that God has done in us, we're more able to, I don't know, be approachable or be, you know, leading others to say, you can do this through Jesus and I did it through Jesus, not saying, look how good I am, this is me and I'm wonderful. Yeah, good point, thank you. Actually... Um, Maggie, can you just grab that microphone? Thank you, Krista. The idea that the only way we can do anything is through Jesus. I mean, he, he tells us very clearly, apart from me, you can do nothing. So anything that we're able to do is through him. Anything that we do. So it shows that the power comes from him, not us. It shows the dependence on him that we have to achieve the impossible to have the miracles that are happening. How how can that be without his influence, without his power, without him being the core of who we are? Maggie. 
I'm putting you on the spot. Are you dying inside right now? I'm going to help you. You don't have to sing and you don't have to dance or anything. Tell me one thing you saw in there that you thought was either the problem. What were they saying? What's wrong with you, Maggie? What's your problem? Or one thing that you thought that you're supposed to do. What were they telling you to do? What did you feel like they were saying? This is what you've got to do if you want to succeed. You've got to... You know, this is the problem that when we get information, when we get ideas presented to us, and thank you for everyone that shared, when we get this information presented to us, it's not like the information is preceded by a sign that said, this is traditions of men, beware, this is rubbish or this is deceitful or this is vain, or this is a principle from the world, so it's probably not likely to help you, or the source of this is this is from Jesus, so believe this, this is the truth. We don't get the little sign beforehand. And what happens is that all these ideas get interwoven. And sometimes there's a little piece of truth in there. But remember what happened to Jesus in the wilderness? Satan decided to quote scripture and take a little piece of truth and then twist it. So when we receive information... We don't necessarily receive the truth, even if someone's quoting the scripture, as a clear piece of truth. Sometimes it's twisted with the principle from the world. Sometimes it's just changed a little bit with a tradition from men. You see, this is how the information is presented to us. We get all sorts of colours, all sorts of ideas. Jesus' truth is clear. It's telling you the real picture, the real problem and the real solution. And his word is pure. You can go to his word and it is the absolute truth. You can engage and talk to Jesus as you read his word and know that you are getting the truth. But as soon as you put that into a YouTube clip and add some other ideas around, this is what's presented to you. Traditions worldly principles, and I might throw a Bible verse in there just to make you think, well, look, it's got credibility. I'm quoting the Bible. We've got to be so careful when we're listening to all these worldviews. Does this line up with Jesus? Is this connected to the truth that he's actually telling me right now? Or is this not the truth? Is this connected to what he's telling me? Or is this just connecting with my emotions because they're using a warming filter? This idea of a warming filter. You see, the reason why we like some of these clips, did you notice the last 30 seconds how much action was in that? I mean, it's hard to look away, is it not? It's like, wow, what did he just do on that bike? And wow, how did he just twist that shoe on his finger? And you're drawn to it. It's like, wow, this is really exciting. They use a warming filter. They're they're saying, look, this is going to sound good. This is going to look good. This is going to engage you. This is going to make you feel something. I like this problem definition. I like this solution. I like this information. So we've got to watch when we're taking in all this information. We're not being warmed up to be deceived. They're not using our emotions to say, here's your problem and here's your solution. We've got to watch that we're not actually putting teachers around us that are telling us what our ears want to hear. Maybe we want to hear we can do it all ourselves. Maybe we don't want to hear that we've got to go to a God. Maybe we're just so happy with the ideas they're presenting us because they're consistent with what we like. We've got to watch for the warming filter. It is turned on and it is turned on 
24-7. We're presented with this stuff all the time. We've got to understand that they're trying to deceive us by warming us up to make us feel something so we will agree with it. But you know, Colossians 2, 6-7 tells us the answer. He says, as you've received him, so walk in him. Stay rooted and built up in him. Do you know, our flowers, we've been cleansed. We're a beautiful white with Jesus when we first received him. And you know, we don't have to change colours if we stay rooted and built up in Jesus. He can continuously nourish us. He can continuously feed us the way, the truth and the life. But we must stay connected to him. As soon as we decide that we like one of those other colours because they make us feel good, it feels comfy and warm, we like the idea of them in some way, we're set up for deception and our worldview moves from Jesus' truth to vain deceit. We've got to stay connected to Jesus. We've got to stay in his word. We've got to keep talking to him. He's so wanting to talk to us. He so has all the answers to us. So it's his word that is the filter. He is the new and living way. He is the living water we need to be connected to and drawing from every single day. So you know right at the beginning I asked, why is it if it's so obvious that our freedom comes from Christ? Why is it that we go elsewhere? Why is it? That when we had those problems this week, we didn't say, God, show me, help me. Why is it we went elsewhere? Why do we do that? Why do we turn on the TV? Or why do we think it's just going to hit us from out of the sky somehow? Why is it we don't go to him? We don't say, Lord, show me, help me, show me through your word. Because we know the freedom from our problems comes through Jesus. I think there's a, a, a really basic problem or a deception that goes through our mind. Every time we might even think about picking up his word and saying, show me, help me, engage with me, feed me. I think there's one little doubt that comes into our mind and it can be really, really effective. And the doubt is, he doesn't get you. He doesn't really know. And he certainly doesn't know how to fix this problem. You see, the doubt and the fear is right there knocking at our door. Go somewhere else. Go, go to something that's louder. Listen to something else that feels more comfortable, that sounds easier. Or don't talk to me about guilt and sin and don't go to the core of the issue. I don't know if I like the sound of that. You see, he has everything we need for life and godliness. He's just so willing and is so able to give us everything we need for every problem you face this week and every problem you're going to face next week. But we've got to draw him in. We've got to draw in from the nutrients he wants to provide us from his living water every single day. You see, he is the way out of every problem. He will show you the truth every single time. And he is your life. We've got to find a way 
to come back to Jesus, come back to Jesus, come back to Jesus and reshape our worldview. Because otherwise, the other sources are really ready and waiting to be picked up and they're active and they're loud. Pick me. I'm a worldly principal. I'll tell you what your problems are and I'll tell you the solution to your problems. Or pick me. This is how it's always done it. This is the way you've always done it. These are traditions. These are rituals. This is what you do. And you know, they're loud and they're emotional and they're in our face and they might be familiar. But we've got to pick Jesus to be our freedom. We've got to pick his word. Even if it doesn't have bells and whistles. You know... When we open his word and we come to him and we say, Lord Jesus, just help me. I'm so looking for you. I've so lost my freedom somehow along the way here. He is so loyal and he is so faithful and he will never let you down. He will feed you when you are most hungry. He will give you living water when you're so thirsty You can't even remember what it was like the last time you spoke to him. He is so faithful. You've got to reach out and say, the last thing I feel like doing is maybe opening his word. But as soon as you open his word, he will be there for you. And do you know what? That beautiful, warm filter that the world uses to try and suck you into their way The relationship with him is warmer than anything you could get anywhere else. It's the best. But it's hidden if you don't go to him. So let's stand and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we call out to you today. We call out and say, thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our Lord. Lord Jesus, show us your way when it looks so confusing, when there's so many paths to take. Lord Jesus, direct our steps. Show us, Lord Jesus, again where we've gone wrong, Lord Jesus. Show us again where we've been deceived. Lord Jesus, show us again the plan and purpose that you have for our life. Lord, show us Take the scales from our eyes, Lord. Help us to look to you, to listen to you. We so want to hear your voice, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being so willing and thank you for being all sufficient for us. Every issue, every problem is but just a small little issue for you, Lord Jesus, because you are all powerful, you are almighty, and you are all loving, and nothing will separate us from your love, Lord Jesus. Just our choice to open your word to speak to you help us help us to do that lord help us to make that choice just like we made the choice this morning to come into the car and to drive here and to worship with our brothers and sisters lord help us to make that choice every single day to want to hear from you not just today lord Help us to come to you when we feel lost. Help us to come to you when we want to celebrate and thank you for the fantastic things that you do. Help us stay connected to you. Help us to stay rooted with you. Help us to open our hearts to you and to hear you, Lord Jesus, and to love you, Lord Jesus. 
We pray in your holy, precious and wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.